All right, welcome back to Conversation and Calculation, episode 10. This is a big one, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very big one, both because 10 is a very big number and because we have a very special guest with us. Ooh. Very special guest. Why doesn't our guest introduce themselves? Hi, my name is Moshe Davis. Rabbi Moshe Davis. Okay, we could give it, give it a title <laughs> Rabbi if that makes you happy. Um, and I live on the West Side and I teach at Manhattan Jewish Experience. Awesome. So, what is Manhattan Jewish Experience? I just recently joined it, but I'm still trying to figure out like what exactly is their mission statement? Um, explore Jewish life, meet new people, and get inspired. I think is our, ta our tagline. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good tagline. Yeah, that's great. Because we are talking to people from all areas, all, all affiliations, all Jews. Um, we want to get them to come here, enjoy, have fun, be, enjoy their Jewish life, I would say. Um, and through that, actually meet new people. We have like probably, I think Rabbi Wild says 300 something couples. Have been wow. Um, and then there is the Get Inspired. We have awesome classes. Me and my wife both teach here on a regular basis, Shabbos during the week. Um, and then we also have Rabbi Wild teaches another couple, Kevin and Allison, Rabbi Shorts. Um, Ezra Cohn, Penny Rosenthal, like Avi all awesome like educators and stuff. This is awesome. Come together, teach, all love teach, all love giving over to our and Jews and just meeting people, talking to them and schmoozing. That's so cool. So would you describe it as a peer of organization? Um, so, I mean, technically we, we are bringing, we Makari Jews, we're bringing the Jews closer to their the Jew goal, Judaism. The goal, the goal is to bring people closer to orthodoxy or closer to Judaism? Well, I mean, if our goal, we are orthodox. Right. For most of us, I mean, happens to be like not every single person who's gonna be working here. We're, we're talking to people right now, interviewing them, of, and they're not orthodox themselves, and um, has been in the past here as well. Um, happens to be though, all educators are orthodox, and we only would have orthodox educators here. Okay. Because we are definitely. That makes sense. You would want to keep it in line with your ideology. Exactly. Um, also, what's most interesting though is you're saying orthodox is that just about every single queer organization is like more Haredi orthodoxy. If like you can talk about all like the big branches of Asian or um, go through race, I mean all across the yeah. U.S. and Israel and around the world, mainly or Chabad, they're right. Also, Haredi. They're, they're really Haredi or Chabad, right? And um, probably MJ is probably the only like not. It's like Rabbi Wilds is of a non-Orthodox background. Why you graduate? Most of the uh, most of the rabbis and female educators here are also like from YU. I happen to be one of the only not. But, uh, okay, but Shara Torah is basically like, we're, we're, we're on the edge right there. Call it what you want. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I'm on the edge of Shara Torah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, in ideology exactly, you know, modern orthodoxy in itself, or is that maybe I would branch ourselves out further than that. Um, but the fact that we do have an organization in the city, which we are, a lot of people coming here are from conservative reform backgrounds. Some, some of them very strong Jewish backgrounds. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. But some of them like, strongly affiliate with conservative synagogues when they were younger and like they grew up that way and that's they're very much into that. Fascinating. We have a guy who David, who's one of like, leads one of Minyan downtown the village, which is like a real conservative synagogue, which is like, has a really, you know, life going in there, one of the few left. Um, and they come here as well. So I'm, I'm very curious, because like, I could understand somebody who's completely unaffiliated trying to explore their Jewish roots, but like, what motivation would somebody have if they are strongly conservative or strongly reformed? It's, it's okay. So what motivation would, would somebody who's like strongly identifies as, as conservative or reformed 
have to to make that transition over to orthodoxy. I don't know if no one's making a transition here. I think that's like what we have to understand. Oh, really? Is that I don't think I'll call these transitions. Like, I don't think like we're trying to like teach people something specific. I'm like, I'm not talking for MG in general. I'm just a rabbi here and I'll talk for myself. <laughs> like, I, I know like you meet people, we're not making them anything. We're not telling them anything. You, they are going to be like, I want to connect to Judaism. Like, I mean, I could give you my personal thoughts about the conservative reform movement nowadays and like what it does for young people and like where is it going and what their future is. We could talk about that at length if you really want. But I think more important is as an organization, as a Jewish organization, I think that people come here because they see young Jewish professionals their age in their 20s and 30s who are looking to explore, looking to get inspired, looking to get good to get to know other people. Um, our crowds are amazing. Like, I mean, on Shabbos morning where we speak, me and my wife can give a drasha on Shabbos morning. And everyone in the room is sitting down, looking at you the whole time. Like this is not like any random scenario around the U.S. People are interested. They're coming here because they're they're fat. They want they want to learn. They want to hear more. Um, and I think Judaism is pretty universal in that sense. That like we could teach all different types of people. Um, and I'm not. And yes, I will have cook. Every once in a while, there will be classes on keeping kosher and on keeping Shabbat, like the way that we do as Orthodox Jews. Um, but to me, it's, it's organic from the fact that like, okay, if you understand what Shabbos really is, that you understand that it's not just about not going to your office, but it's also about that you want to step away from creation, step away from your technology, step away from the way we're manipulating the world, then of course you're going to still want to start keeping things more halachic because it's the way we do it. It's the way that happens, the way that works. So I don't like giving a label in that sense. Like, I don't know if we should, and I don't think that just mm -hmm. like kind of excludes people for a minute. And that's why I think as an organization, as MGE, we'll have people from all affiliations really just learning and enjoying it and loving it. That's really cool. It's fascinating that you that you bring that up because like I find that the the interplay between um, ideology and halacha tends to be very very strong, specifically in like more Haredi circles where where they will, and I say they, meaning like to refer to to a to an ideology. I'm not saying that I'm including myself from that. Mm -hmm. I, I think I might identify as that. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I, feel like, I feel like I'm kind of centrist orthodox. Centrist, I like that word. I like that word. C centrist orthodox. I feel like that, that's the term for me. Um, but so, like, what would you say to somebody who's who's Shabbos or who's keeping of kashrus does not look exactly like? you know, the Shulchan Aruch. I mean, does it look exactly like Shulchan Aruch? I mean, look, I, I really go into a whole discussion. I recently gave a class on this. Um, we were at a ski trip in Vermont. Oh, this was a couple weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure you know, part of your MG uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. team over here. You learn with people here and be part of it. It's great to have you uh, on board. Thank you, thank you. Um, so we went to a ski trip and on, Sh on Shabbos morning, um, I did a class um, a bunch of fellows were there, some other people, um, and I really wanted to get down to is where does halacha come from? And like that there's there's like the ideology of halacha, and then there's a practice of it. And like first of all, where does ideology come from, and where does practice come from? And like are the two related, and how are they related? So when you ask a question about like okay, people have a certain ideology, or people from a certain ideological background. Um, have certain types of practice and other people have different type of practice. Well, okay, where did they get their practice from? So there's a little bit of the historical aspect of, as you mentioned, Shulchan Aruch, 
um, as you, you know, we can talk about the poskim later, Mishnah Bura, and the Shulchan Aruch Arab, and the and the Shulchan. Um, and then also we could talk about the first, you know, the, the background where they come from in the Rishonim and the earlier in the Talmud and the Mishnah, and then the early Midrashic commentaries, and going back all the way to the Torah. Just a fascinating point that I think that our, our listeners and viewers would really appreciate. You mentioned this to me way back in high school, okay. um, which was that Sepharia has this has this program where they link every single connection between Torah Shabbat Sav and Torah Shabbat Pet, and they they have a like an infograph mm-hmm. of it, and it is the most fascinating thing to see. And you had mentioned, please correct me if I'm wrong in this quote. But you had said that that might be like the Iker Avoda in terms of Limud Torah. I don't remember that conversation. Fascinating. And I think it's interesting because those days I, I was like a little fascinated by Madrash. I, I, I don't know exactly when I said this, but at some point, not long after that, I started having this like fascination with understanding how the rabbis turned and turned turned over the Torah to find all those parts and pieces and how they made sense of it. And I'll tell you the credit I really started with this fascination of where this comes from, where we have this oral tradition, which has tons of connections and quotes verses all over the place. And the question is like, okay, it's quoting it's quoting something, but like is that really the meaning of it? Like, I mean the verse seems to say something else completely. And I'll tell you the truth, if you want, we can actually go to some examples I gave in my class we go over that, but before I even get to that, I'll just talk about my background for that. So I, I'm assuming at some time during that time, and I was get, having this fascination, um, really came from biblical scholarship and Bible critics. Um, because I was reading their works and seeing, okay, is the Torah just you know a bunch of parts and pieces written by random authors throughout many years? And um, up in that conversation, there was this figure called James Cogill, who discussed a... He's a tablet magazine? That's the one? No. He's in, maybe he's wrote articles? Maybe maybe he's in an interview with him. Could be. Okay. Could be I think an interview or something with him. Yeah. <laughs> Very possible. Um, but he wrote a couple books. One of them was How to Read the Bible. Um, and to me, that was like a mind shift. And we're... He completely looked... He's like, look, you could read the text one way, but there's a reason why it's... In this text is actually important, and the reason why it's relevant, and the reason why every day there's millions of people reading it on a regular basis, is for a completely different reason. And that's the same reason why the rabbis, how the rabbis looked at the text 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, are, he goes back to actually biblical times of how they actually dealt with it, used these texts, and you could see how within the books of Tanakh, how they looked at the importance of these words. Um, and that opened up this whole idea of like, that Medrash was saying something real. And the crazy part is, like, that was done, and I always loved it. And I, I mean, I've written some awesome articles about people were arguing about, let's say, I mean, I'll go to the other aspect of it, how I think a lot of Haredi Judaism looks at the Torah and uses the Mepharshia Tanakh as, or Midrashim, and I would say, not the way that I would look at them. They're not trying to necessarily delve into Pshat and the Pasuk, but trying to come up with other understandings or different ways, and they don't necessarily try to connect the two, always. Um, not, not every. I don't necessarily part. know if that's problematic. No, I'm not saying it's problematic. I'm not saying it's necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's a problem. I just think that like it was. This, it just you're not trying to understand the text more. That's what I think. Look, 
We could, okay. we could debate more about that if you want. It's fascinating because th th this is the, the very argument that's going on in, um, in the Supreme Court between textualists and literalists. Textualists are, are of the school of thought that we have to delve into the meaning of what the Constitution said. And literalists are of the opinion that we have to see how the Constitution applies today. Got it. You know, and and I, I think it's, it's exactly parallels what, what you're saying. Do you know the story of Anton Scalia and the mission of Archeos? No. Okay, so this is an awesome, awesome piece. Okay. Um, basically, when, um, I think it was about a due process clause, it was some type of argument, whether a certain type of case was, that was argued throughout the courts, was that, was that included in due process or not? Um, and the king came to Scalia and he had a, he disagreed with the court. I think the court believed that it was, this case was included in the constitutional due process clause. And Scalia wrote a, um, wrote a um, what's it called, a dissent on it. And in the dissent, I mean, I should probably pull up the words, they're awesome. <laughs> I would have pulled up the words. Okay. They're okay. great, they're great. It's these, he, he didn't think that this case um, would be under the, the due process clause. What ex do you know what the case was? Due pro what the case of due pro Oh, it was a complicated case um, that was argued. I think some judge was might have been bribed because they worked for a certain company, um, so they gave a certain con governmental governmental contract. Um, it was a very relevant case for due process. Like what is considered due process? I'm not a lawyer and I don't understand exactly. The okay, that's fair. Of the case. That's fair. Um, that's fair. But, here it is. Okay, so, in this, it was AT Macy Coal Company at all versus U Capperman. I don't know, one of the Supreme Court cases. Okay. <laughs> 2009. 2009. And, and in this dissent, Scalia writes, a Talmudic maxim instructs, with respect to scripture, turn it over, turn it over, for all is therein. The Babylonian Talmud, Tracta Avos, Chapter B, Mission 22. Divinely inspired texts may contain the answers to all earthly questions, but the due process clause most assertively does not. Wow. That's amazing. That's so, amazing. That's an awesome was, quote. Was, was, was he religious? No. Um, was he religious? I don't know. Sure. I, know I don't know, but either way, that quote is fantastic. He loved Judaism. <laughs> he wasn't Jewish. He loved Judaism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was, he was Talmud. Italian, right? Yeah. He quoted, he quoted Talmud in many places. That I've heard other stories so of where cool. he was quoting Talmud. That's an awesome, I, I mean, I think that like really opens up so many people. Like I, I love this story because it opens up so many things. The idea that like there's this Torah text. Yes, it is breathing. It's a divinely inspired text. So therefore it's possible that it's relevant to you. If something was written 300 years ago in, in 1770s and you're gonna try to make it relevant for our modern day, then you'll have arguments like Scalia's like, look, I literally, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at the text and I'll tell you what the text is telling you at their time, what they were writing. Because that is being true to the words of the text. You're going to tell me now that this, that this, this kind of due process case that came up is only relevant, only was a, a modern case, it was never relevant years ago? That can't be. It's, this is not, they, they, weren't, they weren't prophets, they weren't divine. But you're going to Torah, you're going to say, nah, folk, 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 nah, fol
And I think that's just a great way to look at our Jewish tradition. Getting back to the original question, you asked, okay, ideology and practice. And I think the more and more you study text, look at it properly, you will find more and more of why we say certain things and why even there has to be an oral tradition because not everything is in there. And, but reasons why they're there. Like we're gonna talk about um, Hilcha Shabbos, doesn't say much in the second, but it does give us an understanding and feeling that Shabbos is this idea of malacha, that we want to, it's like this week's, we're gonna talk about next, next part of Yakel. We're gonna discuss about how the Mishkan was said right near the, the, the to bring Yakel, I bring everyone to tell us about, to tell, us, tell, to tell them about the Mishkan in some second, and then tell them about Shabbos. Um, and then you go through the Sukkim, who like has this like malacha malacha, like uh, uh, trying to show you that like Abitzal was doing malacha, um, God was doing tell, not doing malacha on Shabbos, and therefore we are we are not going to be doing malacha on Shabbos, and how this world is meant to be a place where God put us here and created a space for us, and now we're maybe creating a space for God in our world, and we're going to stop and enjoy it and rest in it and be part of it, and that's how we're going to enjoy Shabbos. What Shabbos is. To me, it's natural. Like, as I was saying, I think it's just what, what comes next. Um, but Shabbos about, let's talk about it, no, I'll bring up a different uh, mitzvah, we could talk about it, maybe where it could go to, how it could come, and I think it's all over. Okay, um, so I, I have a couple of ideas in mind that I'm like, I want to shoot out there, but just a, just a quick point, I'm not sure if, if you, like, feel it, but I've said this before on the podcast, the closest vibe that I have ever gotten to this would be like a late Friday night meal. You know what I mean? It's a little bit weird because now it's daytime, but like, do you know what I mean? How like... We've done those like Thursday nights for forever. Like right. exactly this. Right, 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 right. But e e even that, it's like, it's... I feel like there also because we didn't have our phones with us. Well, you had your phone with you. <laughs> Before it was taken away. Before it was taken away. <laughs> Um, I hear that. You're right. That job, that Friday night discussion where it could go on forever. Yeah. And I, I just find it very cool how, like, this is kind of like the inverse of Shabbos, where on Shabbos we get rid of technology to create this environment, and here we're using technology to create this environment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's how I, we... I, that is exactly... I think that is what Malacha is. That is what building a Mishkan is. We are using our tools in every way possible, our best craftsmanship, the coolest technology... The best stuff, so that we can create a space in which we can sit, rest, enjoy, and appreciate. It's more than that. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, do you want to pick a card? Do you want to pick a card? Or we could go further into this if you want. Wh whatever you want. Wherever you want to go. Um, okay. Let's pick a card. If we don't like it, we'll go back to this. Okay. What choice had the greatest impact on your life? I know the answer to this one. Yeah? Yeah. What's the answer? Um, so it's split between two different decisions. There was the first decision to go to Shara Torah. Okay. And the second decision to go to YU. Those were, those were the two biggest decisions in my life. But I would have to say that... Shara Torah might have been the most impactful 
decision that I made because it shaped literally the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But I think that going to YU was the biggest decision. I mean, it was much more of a decision. It was much more of a decision than going to Shara Torah. Shara Torah was like, was like it, it was a catalyst, but it was less of a decision. Okay. Yeah. And so, so I, I was. I Meaning, on the impact part, Shara Torah. On the choice part, YU. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. I, I think that I think that YU specifically because it was the first time that I ever really, really exercised my my independence and my decision making abilities. Okay. So I I would have to say YU. But do you see choice as something that you just made or something that you do on a regular basis? What do you mean? Because we always have discussion. It's a long long running discussion me and Jana. Okay. Um, how choice isn't really a one-time choice usually. It's usually a every day where you can choose how you want to deal with those consequences or how you want to deal with that impact. Or do you want to be impacted? Do you, wanna, do you still want to do this? Um, I mean, the best probably context is marriage or relationships where you can choose to jump in, but you don't just choose to jump in and that's it. Meaning when you say like a big decision to go to IU, okay. But you know what your bigger decision is? Every single day, whether you enjoy YU or not, that's also a decision. It's also a choice. Okay, I hear that. And every single class you take, and every single career you go into, and every single place that, what you do in every situation, that's continuing your choice. So when people talk about big choices, I don't know. Are they, are they that, are, are it, it's, it's not, is that so impactful? Sometimes, sometimes that choice is impactful. Sometimes you like, you'd say I'm gonna do something crazy or something completely different, or something out of the box and therefore like, the trajectory along that after that it was like boom automatically means something else or automatically changes um but generally choices are like our regular choices in life which are just continuously i think we have the control of most things we're doing i hear that however there is also an aspect to to people getting entrenched with into their decisions meaning like once you make that decision true you have to make subsequent decisions to, to stick with that decision but you already made that decision in the first place, so it's, it gets easier with time. Right, right. But you should consider, but I think, I think what people sometimes forget is they still have the choice after they made the choice. Yeah. That's what I think is more, that's why. That is, that is, that, that, that's uh, it's known as the sunken ship fallacy. Okay. Which is a, a uh, the word's not heretical. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, whatever. Oh, heuristic. It's a heuristical oh, it's a, uh, fallacy. Okay. Um, uh, it's written about in Thinking Fast and Slow. Okay. Um, where the basic premise is that, for example, you go to a movie, you're, you're 45 minutes in, you have another hour to go, but this movie sucks. You're not walking out. You're not walking out. You're not walking out. Why? <laughs> Why? You, the movie sucks. You know that the rest of it's not going to get any better. So why are you staying there? Why are you staying there? And it's this idea that like, once we've already invested something into something, then we're scared to pull out. We're scared to pull out. And this manifests itself in, in, all, in all areas of life. I would say probably stock market runs like that too. Stock market <laughs> runs like that. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure that, that everything runs like that. I'm, I'm sure that marriages run like that. Right, but the idea is is that 
you're going on the other aspect of it, like that you could always still, yeah, I guess you could always choose. Really it's about. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right, good. So how about you? What was the biggest decision of your life? So as I said, I'm going to talk about a little decision that I continuously make. I mean, going to Jordan was a big decision. No, I don't think it was a major decision. I don't think like, it was great. It was a great trajectory of my life. Um, starting Smicha, Barbara Lerner in Israel, that was a big decision probably. Um, not that I couldn't have like done things in my life after that without doing that, but I think it just gave me, first of all, like the authority to Paskin and be able to talk about Halacha. It gave me a knowledge of Halacha that I would never have had. And like we heard from our like earlier discussion, like it's something that I love and fascinates me. And I think the only way that you really could like have that feeling, I don't know, you, I, you could ask, you could say yourself, but like, I think I have like a feeling for like how these things play out in people's life and how it should. Um, and I have the background and like the actual text-based sources of like why and what. Um, I think that was an awesome thing I did. Had a great time. I learned it was awesome. Um, I I agree with what you said before. That how long was the smicha program? Um, year and a half. Year and a half. So I would say that the 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 biggest decision, correct me if I'm wrong, was not your decision to go there, but on day two hundred day 200 you're like halfway there and you're like no i'm not like that no, no, you're, no. you're not like that no no, <laughs> no 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 i was going in i was getting 100 every, i'm getting 100 every test or I'm okay gonna, i'm gonna make everyone crazy i'm gonna i like i i did that like wait remember i did that film <laughs> i mean it wasn't that film i was doing basically a dafa day for years and i was like i mean at some point i'm like am i really doing did this did you ever finish Nika? basically Basically, I never, a, I never made a CM. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that CM. COVID and like I just never did it. And all right, listen, I'm waiting on that CM. I should make a CM. Um, but like I'm like I go into something I'm doing it. I don't know. I don't. I, I feel like. You know what? Um. You know what? Uh. There's uh, a little bit of Kabbalah. I know. I know that you're not mm, the biggest not fan. Not about that. <laughs> a little bit of Kabbalah, but the Rashi Tevos for the for the Malacha Maves. Mm-hmm. Or Samach Mem Aleph Lamed. Right? Samach. You're not supposed to say his name, apparently. I'm not capitalistic. Okay. <laughs> you can say his name. Uh, for me, it's like Voldemort, so you, know, oh, you, no. can't, you can't say his name. <laughs> um, but anyway, the Russian Tevos are Sim Masachta Ein Lasos. It's like you're. Apparently, apparently that, like, the devil. That, that, that is like. The devil. His number one goal is to make sure. No, it it manifests itself in, in not making a seum, mm. but it's it's an everywhere in life. It's it's just not completing things, not completing things. Interesting, interesting. Make your point. Yeah, that that is like, that is the core of of the devil. It's just not following through. Okay. So I'm just saying, seum is after lost. We got to make the seum. I know, but I think I did the first like six years of it. So, and I did finish it. You, you, you gotta, did. You got to go that like piece. Either way, but decisions. Though, but I can't go talk about decisions without talking about my relationship decisions. Like, also, I mean, same way. Like when I started dating Shauna, like I went all in. Like type, I'm like, you know. Um, and then as we're dating, it's like okay, we start making decisions. We're making have like okay, you know, are we gonna take this next step? Are we gonna go forward? Um, that was something we talked about a lot about decisions and choices. Um, and it was like that's what I was talking telling you earlier about like how. When you're making, you're in a relationship where I think it's very important to make that early, like that first decision. But the most important decisions in relationships is a decision every single day. 
Like, I don't think a committed relationship is something without someone, at always, both of them always saying, like, I want to do this. It's something that, like, I really enjoy. Something I really, I makes me so, makes me have a really fulfilled life, makes someone else have a really fulfilled life. Together we could do really cool things together. Um, and every day you make that decision and choice of loving each other and caring for each other, then that's really what makes a marriage so beautiful. Like, it's not the first choice. It's not that, uh, will you marry me? It's not the, like, hurry up, Mekudeshet. It's every single day being like, I want to do something. I want to make it forward. I think that's what really, what, that is relationship to me. Like, I think that's what choices are. So, like, the, the, the biggest choice to make the most impact, I, I think it would be stupid to say, well, marrying my wife or getting engaged or starting to date her. It, it's, I think, our relationship was the best choice choices I make every day because it has the most impact in my life on an everyday basis. That's really cool. I, I see that that paralleling life in general, that like. What do you mean? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what I mean. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any dating advice for me? Because in Hashem, I will be starting relatively soon. Dating advice. Interesting. Because I feel like would you, would you say that would you say that no. more important is dating advice or relationship advice? Definitely relationship advice. Dating, I don't can date. Go out with a girl, go to coffee, go to a restaurant, go have fun. What's a big deal about dating? What do you mean? You're not going to tell me the rules? Like, I have to, like, no, no, hold the car a, door no, open no, for her? And you will. No, you're the most trouble <laughs> guy I know. You're going to be sitting there waiting on, like, white gloves. Open. You're going to do that all, please. Um, no, I think that I, that's not the hard part. I don't know. I, I don't think that's a hard part of dating. I don't think it's a dating. That's the type of advice, like, your social skills are good, then like, Thank you'll be you. fine. Yeah. Some people maybe, yeah, they should, you know, some advice on, you know, where they should go, what they should do, but I think most guys are fine with that. Um, or girls, talking to girls as well here. Um, but our, I think- Our viewership is, I think, 32% female. Okay, so you gotta up that, 32%. Gotta, gotta up that, gotta up that. You gotta have your female uh, speakers, female guests on. I got a female guest on last night too. Ooh, very yes. good. All yes. right, good, good. So first, first two Looking girls. First two girls. Um, All right. Um, but either way, so I think relationship though, that's where like people either have done it, have done it wrong, see bad relationships, emulate things that they shouldn't try to do, um, and we're girls will both try and figure it out. So whatever works works, and that's what relationship is. But um, it really all depends on which different steps along the way you are. And like some people, they like jumping right in and being like, that's it. Um, I mean, this week I just quoted, I, you know, I like quoting good things. Okay. Um, I'll pull it up on my computer again. Okay. There's this, I think for relationships, I think it's super important. Okay. Um, and I think many people like I've told this to, it, it really like helped them like get to their next place or... Um, you know, move on from something that shouldn't have been. Um, it's called by Bob Marley. Okay. Awesome. Uh, hey, listen, listen. I don't know what's actually to do with Bob Marley. So I don't want to be another one of those people saying online right now that Bob Marley said this, when I have actually no idea if he actually said this, but online it says it's from Bob Marley. Okay. And Bob Marley School. There's a famous quote from Abraham Lincoln. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I'll, but I'll, Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll attribute it to Bob Marley. Um, we'll attribute to Bob Marley. And I think that the point of it is that I think at some point in relationships where people are a little scared to get into relationships. Like they date, like, I mean, just recently I was seeing some guy, like, we're going out with a group, 
And he was, like, kind of afraid to, like, tell the girl that he wanted to pay for a drink or not. And, like, he was trying to, like, he was scared. Like, should he, shouldn't he? Um, you see it all the time. It's, where, it's like, a leap of faith. It's a li- leap of, it's a little bit, yeah. It's, it's somewhat of that leap where, like, you have to go and be like, are you there or not there? Um, and I think at some points, even people who are, like, great dating, they go on a bunch of dates. It's going well. It's going great. You could still be holding yourself back. But you're holding yourself back in a few ways, I think. There's the vulnerability aspect of it, which I always talk about. Brene Brown, vulnerability. I'm sure I've sent you that link. Of course. Um, but then there's like that relationship point of where, like, don't worry so much about breakup. Don't worry so much if it doesn't go somewhere. It's okay. Like, as I think, I, look, I don't know. I think breaks, breakups are what make you. And like, in, in general, fa- failure is, is what builds you. Yeah. And don't be so scared. It'll be okay. Um, and I think, I don't know, I love this line. I've said it to so many people. A lot of people like really took it to heart and made a big difference to them. So, I'll say it. All right. You may not be her first, her last, or her only. She had loved before. She may love you again. But if she loves you now, what else matters? She's not perfect. You aren't either. And the two of you may never be perfect together. But if she can make you laugh, cause you to think twice, and admit to being human and making mistakes, hold on to her and give her the most you can. She will not be thinking about you every second of the day, but she'll give you a part of her that she knows you can break her heart. So don't hurt her. Don't change her. Don't analyze. Don't expect more than she can give. Smile when she makes you happy. Let her know when she makes you mad. And miss her when she's not there. Whoa. Some, some wisdom from Bob Marley. I think it's just so... I, I see every time and it's just so true. You can't... If you want to love someone, you can analyze them. If you want to love someone, you have to be there for them. You have to be, you have present. To be present. Yeah. If you want to, like, appreciate who for they are and smile at what they are, you can think about what, what about the next day. Um, and I think for every day, I think it's important. Even if you're going on your first or second date, I think there's an element to that where you should really make sure you're present. Don't just analyze every moment of it. Um, but then as you're like definitely dating more seriously, like people still are like, okay, do I have to analyze this now? Do I still want to go out with this girl? Or maybe I want someone else to go out with. Maybe, oh, maybe that other girl, maybe there will be someone else out there. Like people get this idea of like, oh, I'm dating this person, but maybe there's someone else that like is more and better for me. I literally just had that like conversation. There was a point, um, where he was dating someone and he wasn't sure. Like he, there was this other friend, someone he knew who like. He also kind of always wanted to go out with. It just never happened. Um, he never like really had the guts to ask her out straight. He wanted to do it through someone else, um, see if she was interested, because they always knew each other. Um, but then something, some a different girl came up in his life, and he started dating her. And he only dated her a very short amount of time, like one or two dates. And like, I spoke to him, and I was smooth, you know, just schmoozing. And he was like, but what about, like, that other, you know, that girl? Like, I don't know. Should I be going? This is going well, but, like, I don't know. Should I be, like, thinking about, I'm like, what's, what what are you gaining from that? Like, right now, you are analyzing this girl that you're going out with. You are, you're going all in and, like, this is perfect. This is not. This is good. As I thought he said, you're not, she's not perfect. You're not perfect. No one's going to be perfect. And there aren't perfect people. There's going to be things you love. And the same things you love are going to be things you hate. And I think that's what people are. We're, we're, we're everything, all our good qualities are also manifest in things that are maybe not so good for others. And that's okay. And I don't think that we should always be looking for that. But that other fictional being, that person you never dated, 
or those other beings out there who you just had you know casual relationships with, those can be perfect. Those can be the best person I want to date, and that oh I should I should be going out with that person, or maybe you know maybe this is not perfect, and I should do that. And I think that only until you give it your all and say like look I'm here with this person, I'm here with her now, I'm with her, with him now, and let's all, this is what I sh this is who I should be focusing on and caring about and loving at this moment, and that's how you create a relationship. Fascinating. That's, that's my that's my advice. So I, I I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that you just corrected a very very big flaw that I had in my understanding of dating, which is funny because we weren't talking about dating, we we're talking about relationships. But I, I, I think that it's very important, based on what you're saying, to view people as an end and not a means to an end. You have to elaborate on that. Meaning that, so in, in context of dating, right, it's like there is a person across from me and I am present here with them. It's not like I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, is this going to get me married? Okay, okay. Is this person going to fulfill needs that I have? Okay. I, I, I think that, that is an important question to ask. I mean, you can ask yourself after the date. You can ask right. yourself after, after, after date. 10 dates, you could be like, okay, after do I still want to go, I do want to go on another, should we after, go out again? After the date, you should do the analysis. And even then though, I'm just saying, even after the date when you do the analysis, there should be a point in a relationship where you don't want to be doing that. Yeah, of course. And you, you're going to say that even though maybe I should be doing it in some way, same way in my mind, maybe I'll do it at, Later on, you're gonna hinder yourself on a relationship. And if you actually plan on dating someone to marry them, then you can't always say that, okay, I'll analyze it at some point. Right. No, love it at some point. Love her, love him. Like, get in it. Ben Shapiro, whatever your, your thoughts are on him. <laughs> he has, he has, him. He, it's okay. Yeah, he has, he has a great, great line. He dedicated one of his books to his wife, and he said that the dedication is like something along the lines of like, um, Marriage is, like we were talking about before, marriage is the greatest leap of faith. I dedicate this book to my wife. Best leap ever. Okay. I thought it was very cute. I don't know, but that, that, as I say, like, not the only thing I could disagree with in Ben Shapiro, but, yeah. um, but I think that first line that I was saying earlier about choices, it's only a little bit of a leap, but it's not such a leap because you're going to choose every day. That's true. You're going to choose That's every true. day. That's true. You're That's right. true. Like, I mean, like, I'll quote this again and again. Um, Shauna, in our wedding video, did a voiceover of, like, a letter that she was writing on the wedding day. That's so cute. Um, and in it, she talked about how, um, actually, originally a quote from her brother-in-law, who was, like, talking about how our life is a book. And we write the book. And your relationship and your love life is a love story. But remember that just because you wrote, okay, you wrote one page, now every book you know that you could turn the next page, you should be good again. Because anything can happen. Who's writing it? You're the author. You get to write it. So true. We are the authors of our lives. There are other factors and the other people. We have a world we live in, God that controls it. But we write the book. There is, there will be factors, there will be things that you don't like, there will be things that are not gonna be perfect in every scenario, the job you have, the people, the associates you have to work with, um, the family. That's, that's, that's all in, in, in film we would call that mise-en-scene. That, that refers to everything in the scene. Okay. Right? But then there's montage, which is the editing, how you put it together. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, one without the other obviously would, wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the main thing that we're in charge of is the editing. We, we control our, this, this you're very, taking this, you're very, taking very this. Albert Ellis. Okay. Albert Ellis is very, very, he was a famous psychologist and he was very mm-hmm. into like, all of life is, is our perception. Okay. All of life is, is our perception of it. And circumstances are just that. They're just, they're just the mise-en-scene. There's the, sorry, my, my professor is very, very mocked. <laughs> we have to pronounce it with the proper pronunciation. Okay, love it. Yeah, yeah, she made us, she made us like repeat it after, <laughs> literally a bunch of times. Mise-en-scene. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't pronounce English properly. <laughs> French. Yeah. But, but like, that, that, that's the point. And I, I think it's actually fascinating that I was in KBY for a Shabbos, mm-hmm. and Rabbi Blachman said this, and I was blown away. Tell me. He, he mentioned, and you would know better because you, you know Nach um, way better than I do, <laughs> but I believe it's in Yeshaya. Where, where he's describing the, the Kisei HaKavod, right? And, and he's describing how like there's the Malchei HaSharis and the Malchei HaLyon, and then, and then on top of that, there's, uh, the quote is, Al Dumus Kiso, Dumus Adam. On the, on the form of his throne, there's a form of a man. And Rabbi Blachman explained that like, we really have to internalize this that we are the masters of our own fate. And I, I think that this was like a very important thing for, for me to hear, especially at that time. Um, but like, it's really true that, that like things may happen to us, but we ultimately decide how the story is gonna be written. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, I, I just found it to be a very profound and good quote, of the most kiso, the most adam. And the idea is that because God has this, because our perception of God has like just a per, just person, has that? It's, it's no, 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 it's the, the idea that, that man himself is on the throne. And so man himself, the meaning I myself is the one running the world, is like the king. Again, not actually running the world, but running my world. Mm-hmm. I'm in control of my world. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I, I, I just thought it was a very, very, you know, profound thought. Cool. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the time? Like, what's, what are we up to? We are at 43 minutes. Okay, cool. Five minutes. Okay. Um, what, about, what else should we talk about next? Should I pick a card? Pick a card, or do you want to talk about? We could. Another thing I want to talk about, because we were getting a discussion about relationships, um, it's another, like, I mean, I think Shauna's one like really taught me this. Um, my father in law. I'm so always... excited to get married. Oh my <laughs> goodness, I'm so excited to get married. Um, like the, the the thought that I've always been having is like. So recently, I've I've been saying how I want to have a period of solitude in my life, right? And then I thought about it, and I'm like, yo, I could have a period of solitude, with my wife. And it's like, that's just such a crazy thought that like, I can be alone with somebody else. Yeah. I don't know, I, I just found that to be, to be very, very like, eye-opening. That like, cool. there could be somebody, that like the whole idea of a period of solitude is, is that we, we, we get rid of external input and, you know, and, and we kind of just focus in on ourselves. 
but marriage creates a union of two minds. Of two minds. Two sets of feelings, two sets of opinions, two sets of cares and wants. I, I, and then I, you have to like just intertwine them together. That's not saying I, 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 being. I find that to be to be mind blowing. So what were you saying, Shauna? Shauna said about relationships. So as we were like dating and like it was something that my father-in-law also was very much researching um, and learning about at that time. So he was like talking to us about it, and we were like discussing it. And I'll explain it. Um, I'll explain it to our context. Might as well. Yeah. Um, there are back to biblical example. There are really two sets of creation in the Torah. There's the first chapter of Genesis and the second chapter of Genesis. What everyone calls it first the two the the Elohim story and, and the Kibbutz okay story right um, and the question is really why and what so the the midrash already explains that there is there's a there's Elohim which is the god of judgment and then there is Yudkevavke which is the god of Rachamim okay it's a nice like line one liner sounds good and that's why we use certain words and certain names in one places other names in different places so that works. Um, I think there's a lot more to that. Um, and Elohim being the God of Judgment, without going explaining the whole Sefer Bracious and beginnings, um, so God is makes the world. Um, he says Tov and Ra. He says whether it's good or bad. He says Vayar Elohim as Arki Tov, and he thought it was good. But obviously, it was a point that it might have been bad, and that's like the judgment um, that God has created in this world. And it's a very doing type of God. It's a very much making things happen. He creates distinctions. Existence. He creates distinctions, but more than distinctions, he creates everything. He creates everything and then, and then creates distinctions. Okay. I mean, my, that point of doing, though, I think is generally in the fact that... I think, I think, I think th th there were two main acts of creation. There was the act of... of, of uh, yesh Mayayim, mm -hmm. of Ex Nihilo, and, and then there was the... Because like the, the Ramban says how, how, uh, how Hashem created first Hiyul, mm -hmm. which is the, the Greek terminology for, for like base matter. Right. Which is very cool, by the way, from, from like an astrophysics point of view. Because like this is, it, it, it correlates exactly. Um, okay. It correlates. No, there's what to talk about. Because physics would say that like that he was using the Greek way of understanding um, science and which... I mean, and like we should look along those lines, <laughs> and there's no reason to like really correlate that to the 20, 21st century view of science. But okay, okay, I you hear see, that. You like it? No problem. I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's cool. But anyways, so that, that there was this base matter, and and everything existed within that, and then he just created distinctions mm -hmm. from there on out. Okay, cool. So either way, idea of that Elohim is a god of doing. So idea of creation of the world. Or, like, I really, it's, I mean, there's another, like, my father likes to say, it's really the idea of a creation of every day, and the idea of, like, every morning, we have these examples, those seven things, of, those six days of creation really happen every single morning of, of our existence, of the light, and the light, and the view, and the sea, and the water, and the rain, and the animals, and these are the things as human as waking up every day, um, that really was creation, much and longer that, discussion. Is, is that why we say Berch Sashach every day? So I said, that's also why the I think the Shema the lead up for Shema is the idea of creation. You see, fascinating. Which will get me to the next step over here. So there's a lead up. Okay, if 
very much of a doing that God is doing. The next step is, um, that my follow talks about, is the, so we get to the last day. God says, he creates man, done, all's good. Second chapter, and all of a sudden God says, or end of his chapter, Shabbos, he stops. Um, and then, <clears throat> as part of the stop, all of a sudden we go into the Yudkevavke creation. Now let's go into the word Yudkevavke. Haya, hoya, haya, hova, hova, Right. So, tell me, what's something that was, will be, and is now? That means it's not doing anything. It's just being there. It exists. It is because it is. It is. It is That's a, really a, I, I am because actually, yeah, I am because I, I am. I just there. It, it just is in this world, and there's this whole new way of looking at creation itself. Which is a being type of creation. I would advise people to go actually look on Alpha Beta and you can re- actually see this really cool concept of these two creations and how they actually literally line up word for word, but in the doing way and the being way. My father in law talks about. Fascinating. My father in law is David Foreman, by the way, for whoever's listening to this. <laughs> my father in law. He is David Foreman. Um, Rabbi. Rabbi David Foreman, um, the founder of Alpha Beta. He has really cool stuff online, a lot of speeches all over, um, and I'm majorly influenced by just about. All of his Torah. <laughs> um, that is so cool. You 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 really lucked out there. Yes, he's awesome. His family's awesome, and Sean is really like I would say a like his successor in this. Like how she brings this out so cool. in a really cool way. Like she speaks. I mean, she hasn't most of her life. She never did a public speaking role, um, but now she come to MGE where she's you know given the podium, yeah. and she brings over like some of the ideas from her father. Sometimes in like completely new ways. That somehow only a female young person who is thinking about these same ideas can really draw them to life in ways that, you know, other people can't. Um, and it's amazing how we do this. We learn on a regular basis together and like preparing for our talks, preparing for Torah. And it's, it's an amazing so cool. for our relationship. And I think it's advised for everyone. It's so cool. <laughs> um, so going to that being aspect, that really is a way that we kind of, we don't, I wouldn't even say the word creation in a technical sense, but creation in the fact that we're building relationships, we're building connection with God, we're building connection with our universe, um, building connection throughout the different aspects of what people are um, and what makes up our world. And I think that's what really the second chapter of, of being is. Um, and God is both of those. So what we say, I think, every day in Shema, we say more than once, is my Hashem looking to Hashem Achad that we have Yudke Vavke both Hashem and Elokeinu. We have yes, we have Adonai Elohim, both of those terms. However, we we, we end off with Hashem Achad. Exactly. That first and foremost, correct me correct me if I'm wrong. Go for it. Yeah. But first and foremost, we have to we have to relate to Hashem as as Yudke Vavke. We have to relate to him as as a God of Rachamim. No, I'm first and foremost, not my point. My point oh, is that, okay, that, no, that's no. where I was going. No, my point is is that there are two aspects, and I think that they're both amazing aspects. We relate to God as doing, being, punishing. He's a punishment. He's a God who can punish us. He's a God who will give us these guard fences to make our world into a, sp- or a better place. He will give up laws of the Torah, laws of Shabbos, laws of kosher, laws of whether we're allowed to work the land or not. All different types of things that create this, this environment. It's a very, like, strict law world that we're in. But then we also have to remember that we are this God that has a relationship with us, who has love, who has care, which is much more being type of existence. 
It's a relationship not through of doing something, of not going and doing a mitzvah. I mean, as a mitzvah, but not all the even want to say you want to include that as a mitzvah. Why? Because you're not doing something over there. It's a it's an existence of it's being. A state of being. Yeah. And you should make sure to do that. And I think that's relationships. I think it's always should be found in um, where you're at some point where you're not going to be just trying to do and analyze and try to figure out things, but where you're just going to be in it. Um, and relate to God also that way. Like, don't always think that I have to do something to have my only connection to God. No, go be somewhere, do some, something so that you can actually enjoy it and be part of it. Um, I mean, Shauna just gave a talk about this, how she thinks Shabbos is really of how we get into that state of being, of how we go from this doing, doing during the week where just, you could create things, you can make it, but you won't really enjoy it. She gives an example of a couple who is um, wife creates a whole beautiful spread, romantic dinner, Valentine's Day dinner um, for her husband. And he says, oh, wow, thank you so much. This is great, amazing, everything I love here. Um, and the whole time he's thinking about how he's going to do for her next. What's he going to do the next day? What's he going to do the next month? Special for her. Um, and he's being very gracious about it. But at some point, she's going to be like, stop, calm down a second, enjoy. I just want to be with you here now. I want to go. I want to have this together, and that's what Shabbos is. That's what that that existence of just being on Shabbos is really all about. Um, so, I think I'm the natural doing person. Shabbos <laughs> much for being person, and that's how we complement in our relationship. That's, that's beautiful. Um, but I think that's just an important thing to talk about. Talking about relationships, talking about God, talking yeah. about halacha. I think we we could like wave getting back to what we first talked about of how you have this ideology, you have this like, okay, cool, this really cool concept, this beautiful idea of the God, runs the world, and we want to just do things, he wants to bring us, bring his values to us, to humans in this world, so we can spread it across the world and do good things here, and be, bring um, Zedekah Mishpat. But at the same time, it's, we have to, have to remember that we have this relationship with God, and we do this for a reason, we do this for a purpose, and he loves you, and he wants you to do it, and he wants you to create this connection between us and him. Um, and just enjoy that, be there for it. That's so cool. The, the muscle that I always heard was that is that the weekdays are building a life, and Shabbos is living a life. Okay. It's okay. like like the muscle of like somebody you know builds a house, and then at some point they have to live in it. Yeah. You can enjoy the building, and I think you should. You, you should enjoy the building. You should enjoy the building. You should enjoy the process. You should enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. But there's also an aspect of the, the way that way that my Rebbe, Rabbi Geisler, always said it mm -hmm. is the whole point of of life. The whole point of Shabbos is Arab Shabbos. But the whole point of Arab Shabbos is Shabbos. Okay. Very so it, it's, it, you know, it's like the whole point of, of life is the life that we build within it. Mm -hmm. So that, that's like the whole point of Shabbos is Arab Shabbos. It's the preparation. But there's no such thing as Arab Shabbos if you don't have a Shabbos. It's not Arab anything. Right. So, so they have to coexist. They have to coexist. I, I, I just really like the way he phrased that. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's like that being, doing um, aspect. I think that, I mean, dating-wise, remember that? As we do most things in our life, just remember to appreciate things. Remember not just, but not just be great, gracious for them. I think that's also like we're, People mix that up as I put that in there. Like the husband was thankful for his wife for creating this special thing. 
but that's not enough sometimes. Like if you're not actually present. Yeah. I I don't know. I using the word present. I use it sometimes as well. I don't know if I love the word present though, because present okay. sometimes just. I'm not sure why. I'm, I'm try to discuss with me though. Like why presence isn't just enough. It's actually a state of where I'm enjoying. I'm taking. I'm. I'm Right. Some people don't agree with me on this one. Me and John have discussed this one a lot. Okay. No, but I, I hear that. It's like actively more... participating. Yeah, but it's it's taking in right. what's happening to you. Like, you have to take in jobs. You have to take it to your life. Like, bring it in. Bring in the relationship. Bring in that someone, others, the other person's goodness and what they're doing for you. Take it. Like, grab onto it. It sounds almost selfish. Like, oh, you're not supposed to take. You want the giver, the giver. But, like, no, take it. So there's a great muscle that I heard from from Ethan Lazarus. Shout out to Ethan Lazarus. He's boss. <laughs> great kid. Great kid. Um, he's actually married, so I don't know why I'm calling him a kid. Um, you don't become a kid once you're married. No, you're not a kid once you're married. Marriage just changes everything. Marriage, marriage is that 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 you know life step where you suddenly become an adult. Whether or not you're ready for it, you're an adult. Got it. But you could be like 50 years old, not married. You're a kid. In certain regards, yes. What? In certain regards, yes. No, that's not true. I I push back on that. I would I would venture to say that until a person has a responsibility for somebody other than themselves. Let's say they're running a company or running an organization and they're responsible for thousands of people. Okay, okay, then then maybe they're not a kid. Let's say they're a manager of their company and run five people under them. Okay, maybe they're not a kid anymore. But, but, but the, the twenty-year-old who runs his big runs a big firm. I, I would say maybe they're not a kid, but at the same time, it's still not the same thing. It's, it's you're taking care of somebody in, in, in regards to their work life, but there's a difference between taking care of somebody in their work life and taking care of somebody in their entire life. Yeah, differentiation. I understand that. But I think counselors in camp are sometimes also a problem. We look at them. I think it, I think every person in their role is responsible for others. We look at them as no longer being a kid, but that happens at fifteen years old when you're a counselor in a camp. Okay. And responsible for your campers. Okay. I, I hear that. Those... I hear that. But there, there, there are gradations. Okay. Of of, of adulthood. All right. I don't know. I, I I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Maybe I have to think about it. Um. But the the marshal that I always heard from from Ethan was that a king just wanted to get close to his subjects. So what he did was he set up a bounty, right? And he said whoever collects all these flowers, right? Like 10 of these flowers and come and have a meeting with me. So there were different responses to, to this, to this announcement. Mm -hmm. Some people were like, eh, whatever, you know, I'm, it's it, either a, it's too much time, too much effort, or I don't even, why do I want to meet with the king? You know, like, sure, it's cool, but like, what do I really have to say to him? Then there are those who, Went, they were super excited. They went, they got the flowers. They went to the king, they gave the king the flowers, and they were like, awesome. Let's, you know, great. And then there was the one smart guy who walked up to the king, didn't have any flowers in his hand. He said, I see right through this. I see right through this. The whole point is that you're just trying to get close to people. So I come here without the flowers, but that's because... You want to take from me, and I want to take from you, so we just want to give to each other. Okay. So, I, I, I think, I think that, that falls in line with what you were saying, that like, 
you have to be a taker in a relationship as well. Mm-hmm. You you have to because other people want to give. Which is the cool thing about being taken though in God's world. What does it mean to be a taker though? To be a taker is to be a giver. No, but what it means to be a taker though? Because if you want to be a taker in God's world, what are you gonna do? Enjoy it. Yeah. Go eat. Go have fun. Go party. Go drink. Yeah. Go go check out the Alps and travel the world and enjoy everything you're doing. That's what it means to be a taker. Yeah. And I think that's just people have to remember that. Yeah. We're here to take. I, I We're not s- we wouldn't be put in this world if it wasn't here to take. I have, I have a serious bucket list going. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll discuss. Yeah, but I have a serious bucket list going. I'm, I'm checking checking things off. Oh. I'm checking things off. I want to hear what you have checked off so far. Uh, go skydiving. Okay. Publish a safer. Um. And I have another thing checked off that I forgot. It was it was a while back. Okay. Um. And then like next is like so I have like medium term goals and then long term goals. Mm. So like. So like medium term goals are like get either a thousand views or or a hundred subscribers on this mm-hmm. podcast, right? Yeah. That's something that I think is is like a medium goal that is within my control. I think I think that the natural result, if I continue doing this, would be that. Okay, but then you sound like an aggressive goal. Yeah, it's, it's not an aggressive goal. Some of my aggressive goals are like. I want to walk across North America so badly, so badly. <laughs> Wait, top to bottom? Of course. No, 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 no. Either east to west or west to east. Probably, probably west to east. I don't know. There's, there's like books on how to do it. You go from like California to New York. Yeah, or like Washington to Florida, maybe. I don't know. Oh, that's a long way. Yeah, but I really want to do it. It takes approximately six months. I am, I am so serious. I really want to do this. I did, oh did Yamal Yam twice. We didn't do Shabila Yisrael. What's Shabila Yisrael? You walk oh, the entire perimeter. Most oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yamal Yam is just across for a small yeah. part. Shabila Yisrael is the whole country. Yeah, so that, 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 that's also on my bucket list then. All right, add it up. <laughs> yeah. All right, very cool. Um, um, do you want to continue? Or whatever, whatever you want. Can we pause for a second? Because I do, or, or we're not going to pause the cameras anyway, so I just need to see what's going on here. <laughs> it's funny, my, my watch always says, um, it's it's like a it's an Apple Watch, mm-hmm. so so it it like motivates me to like do activities and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it always says make it happen. Uh, I always think of Matthew Zellman. Right here, that <laughs> like my watch is a little Matthew Zellman right here. <laughs> Got it. Okay, fine. Um, we'll continue for another few minutes. Okay. Um, what awesome. Else you wanna what what we talk, which we which we delve into? Do you wanna pick another card? Um, or just a really quick point, but yeah. like going back to what you were saying about about there's two, you know. Um, the way Rabari Kaplan explains it is, is that God is something in between a personality and a principle. He's this third category. Interesting. Which I, I think is very fascinating because like, he's a personality in regards to Yudke Vavke, but he's a principle in regards to Elohim. He is, to quote the Ral Bag, right? there's a famous Ral Bag that, was, that Mark Shapiro talked about that was taken out of the art scrolls. Um, oh, the Ral Bag's it. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, love it. Yeah. So, so there's that famous Ralbag that says that that Hashem and the universe coexisted eternally. Right. It's a famous Ralbag in Horatius. Yeah. Right. Because he's going with the Greek lines. He's he. So uh, from what I understand is his understanding. Tell correct me if I'm wrong. Is that there's an aspect of God that is essentially a math equation. God equals the presence of God equals a universe. Okay. Meaning that, like, we look at him as a source of energy and matter? Source of energy and matter, but also also just just the very logical principle, right? If you have an infinite being, this is, this is very, very Ramchal. Mm. Very Ramchal. If you have an infinite being that is infinitely good, mm. all that being can do is give. Okay. So by default, all that being does do is give. Assuming that this being exists dynamically and it's not it's not in a static state of okay. but then then it would then it wouldn't be perfect it wouldn't be infinite if it was static it wouldn't be infinite okay so so this infinite dynamic being which can only give it can't receive so by default all that it can do is give so the 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 equation there's no time in this equation it's Hashem equals a universe right I mean Hashem the idea of equals, time equals altogether I mean is what is time? Only humans really need time. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think that, right, that's another aspect of what Shabbos is, of, like, that's the creation of time. And my humans, man. No, but that's humans who use time to differentiate things. So, I mean, and then, which is interesting, because we talk about the Mishkan now, and the Mishkan's really in space. How we put God in space. And then Ahashel talks about Shabbos is putting God in time. Yeah, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs discusses this. Oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Understanding how we put God in different dimensions. Fascinating. Um, so, but it's interesting because, so w- w- what I said before to you, which was not where you were going, but I thought that's where you were going. Yeah. Which is that we say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. We, we call Hashem Avinu Malkeinu. So w- we have to constantly remember that there is Hashem and there is Elokeinu. Mm. But there is, there is the, the principle of God and there is the personality of God. I don't mean by principle of God. I'm trying to still... Okay, I mean... I guess any binary way of understanding that there's someone who you can connect with, and yet he's some, he is something that... He's infinitely close and infinitely far. Okay. Tough by a couple of terms, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um... But but I th- I think that it's it's Hashem Echad that you have to remember that you could have exactly that that first and foremost he's Hashem first and foremost he's that Avinu love, the he's love, Avinu the raw, the raw before thing. he's Malkano he's Avinu mm. so like we have to remember that that God is something in between a principle and a personality but we have to relate to him as a personality first and foremost as a personality but we only know how to deal with personalities according to your what you're understanding what. This other no, 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 no. We, we, we have understandings of principles. We don't under, have understandings of, of, of related to principles. Exactly. Right. We, have no, we have no comprehension of related to principles, which is why God is this third category, mm-hmm. which is a principle that is relatable. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I, I, that's something to like... I mean, it's interesting just to continue on through that Shema. You realize, what do we say next? The Hafta. It's all about... It's all about the love. All about the love. Trying to, and through and telling you, it's our mitzvahs should be natural progressions of our love. We are going to want to read his Torah and read his words, read his letters of love, as my father likes to say. We want to just read it. We want to and teach it to our children. 
If you want to discuss it, talk about it. Put it on your arm. Put it on your doorpost. You just you have that relationship with it. You just want to talk about it always and do everything with it. Um, and then, what's Shema do next? Lahaya. Yeah. What's that about? Consequences. Yeah. But it's more than consequences. It's like, well, look, you love. We have this awesome relationship. I'm in the heavens. I'm up on top of the world. But like, I need. I want to have like I, I have these like values and morals that I want to bring down to the world. Right. So it, it, again, it's it's this same idea where Ve'ahavta is relating to Hashem as a personality, and then Bahaya is relating to Hashem as a principle. But it's first a personality, then a principle. But I think even the thoughts I'm trying to push back a little bit because I don't think that the Bahaya is not a personality anymore. I it's, don't think it's a principle. I think that there, there still is a personality within it, which is again why God is is this okay. third category. Okay. But it's 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 from a human perspective, it's a principle. God says. If you do good, I will do good. If you do bad, I will do bad. It's a very, very simple math equation. But I don't know if we should relate to that like that. I'm not saying that we should, which is why, which is why we preface it with the hafta. Okay, so I think that the next step is, is that it's okay, I want you to live in my land. I want you to be my people. And I'll explain how it works. How I can rain down, have um, the, the the Geshem from the heavens, this physical thing from, and you can pray for it, you can ask for it, and you could be the person who I'll give it to you, and I'll make sure that you could have this joint venture together of growing things and creating an economy, creating a world on this land of Israel, and if we want to do this together, and you want to bring my stuff and down into this world and take values and morals and spread it, great, awesome, we got, we got this project going. If not, then okay, then we won't have this going. You'll be like everyone else, and you won't be in my place, and you'll do your thing. And I just won't give down those reins, and won't be the same. Um, and that's how you get to this idea that God isn't trying to be like this angry punishment. God is like, just let's get out of here. Right. But God is like, we could do something together here. We could do something important. And that is, you're the physical beings, the people. And you could you could do you could do cool things in this world, but you know man up to that. Oh, the most kiso, the most adam. You like that? One. I really like that one. All right, you have a meeting in a couple of minutes. Well, what time is it? It's eleven forty-five. Yeah, yeah, they're all. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed. Thank you.